Welcome to another edition of Faith to Live By. I'm your host, Pam Christian, and I want you to know I really look forward to connecting with you each week. I appreciate those of you who have connected with me by social media, and I also welcome your emails. You can reach me at Faith to Live By at PamelaChristianMinistries.com. I'm happy to answer any questions you have and even to share some of my signature recipes. That's right. Many of you don't know, but I'm a gourmet cook. A little rusty at the time, but when I'm in the swing of things, people really enjoy my food. You can get a glimpse of some of the things I like to cook from my website page, Faith, Family, Friends, and Food. You'll find it on my main website, PamelaChristianMinistries.com. I post a new recipe with each publication of my bi-monthly e-zine, and it's free, so I invite you to subscribe. Specific to this podcast, my goal is to help us all gain spiritual victory over life's difficult issues. I am both an apologist and a charismatic, so I seek to bring balance between rational thought and spiritual realities. This podcast episode is on the topic of the fear of God. As explained last week, everything we experience in this natural world is first determined by God in the spiritual world. While we live on earth, we are constantly engaged in a spiritual battle, whether we realize it or not. What is playing out in this year of COVID-19 with heightened racial concerns, extreme violence, destruction and murder, and the most contentious presidential election perhaps ever, are evidences of the work of the enemy to bring fear, chaos, oppressive control, and destruction upon the earth. The enemy of God seeks to cause us to fear him because he knows if we are focused on him, we are not focused on God. In truth, a proper fear of God is what's needed to put an end to the enemy's destruction. The Bible states the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs 9.10. To be wise is to have a proper reverence and understanding of God, understanding about God and his character, his will, intentions, and power. I like what Jesus instructed in Matthew 10.28. He said, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Clearly, the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. To acquire wisdom requires the mind be intentionally and actively seeking truth and not given over to deception. Think of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They were holy and pure when the enemy of God deceived them. For a few moments, being enticed by the enemy, their minds were attracted to what seemed good, to carnal human aspects, and in that unguarded state, they were deceived. And every human being born ever since as their offspring are naturally born with deceived minds, putting all of us at enmity with God. Only those who come to believe in and receive the truth of Jesus as Savior from all sin are redeemed and given a new spirit, allowing us to enter into a right relationship with God the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not everyone will come to receive and believe in Jesus. Many will choose to reject Jesus and, by default, become subjects of the enemy of God. People are beginning to realize it's been the lack of engagement by the righteous that has allowed evil to flourish. In the words of Sir Edmund Burke, The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. End quote. And I can't help but think of how our lack of involvement over the past decades must grieve Jesus, who paid the ultimate price to allow us to live in victory, free from oppression from the enemy. 
Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not advocating that the world will become free from evil by our demonstrations of faith. No, Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. I am stating that much of the wickedness and evil we are subject to in these days are the result of our lack of engagement. The increase of evil we've experienced worldwide is the enemy of God seeking to gain control of the world. America's presidential election this year is the most important ever, not just for America, but for the whole world. Our votes in this election will not only determine the future of our nation, but the future of the world. We must vote with heaven, which is for freedom and liberty to prevail for all. As a nation, we must be united with a desire for freedom and liberty for all people. We must realize it is the enemy of God who seeks to divide us and ultimately control us. Our vote in this upcoming election is critical. We must vote our values, which is for justice, righteousness, freedom, and liberty to prevail. God wants sanctity of life, freedom, liberty, and justice for his people. The enemy wants destruction, death, oppression, and bondage. If you've never before voted, this is the election where you must vote with sober awareness that we will one day give account to God for our choices. Every one of us will give account for our actions. It's imperative the church wakes up to take her rightful place and be the force that resists evil and even restrains it. This means each one of us, you and I, must individually take our place in God's plan. Intercessory prayer, worship of God, coming into agreement in prayer, and unity. These are the weapons of our warfare that we must wield with all the power and authority Christ has given us. Then we must act on our prayers, doing what we can in the practical world to help our prayers be answered. America is a government established to operate for and by the people. This means we, the people, have the responsibility for the outcome of this election and all elections. Proverbs 29.2 states, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked rule, the people mourn. Look at our world today. Our educational systems here in America have been promoting Marxism for decades, while at the same time excluding truthful historical instruction about the founding of America. The self-appointed elites have been controlling every area of influence and recently even adversely controlling religion, preventing us from meeting in our congregations. In California, the governor has forbidden singing during worship and also forbidden meeting in our homes. And Pastor John MacArthur's attempt to appeal to our constitutional rights to worship here in California have been met with additional opposition, providing more evidence of the gross infiltration of evil in our midst. Lance Wallnau explained it clearly. He says, We are observing socialism and Marxism, which are a totalitarian control by the elite through government versus capitalism and free enterprise based on Judeo-Christian values in America. The first seeks control and oppression. The second offers freedom and liberty. China and other nations represent socialism and Marxism control. America and other nations represent freedom and liberation. I believe our best potential is yet ahead, but in order for us to take hold of God's promises, there are conditions we must first satisfy. And in these times we're living, the conditions to see America succeed is for us 
who are Christ followers, to get back into the battle. Instead of fearing the enemy or the humans he is working through, we must function with the fear of God, which is to have a sober sense of respect and awe that compels us to willingly submit to God's deity. We demonstrate our fear of God by obeying his commandments and actively working with God, both spiritually and practically, for his will to prevail on earth. The self-appointed elites have been controlling the media, knowing whoever controls the media controls the people. Propaganda through media is how Hitler managed to persuade the German people. The Bible tells us to test every spirit, to study, to know if what's being claimed is truth and of God, or if it's lies and of the enemy. Where media and money control the people is in the interpretation of events. I fully believe the mainstream media is corrupt and controlled by well-funded socialist Marxist adherents. We have been being told what to believe or how to interpret world events for decades, and in this manner the culture has been under the control of money and media, which is following the agenda of the enemy of God. And sadly, many have believed whatever the media spews. We need to wake up and understand this is premeditated propaganda. This is a time of spiritual warfare, people. This is not a time to hide in our homes in fear. Hiding in our homes is exactly what the enemy of God wants. He wants to immobilize us and cause us to retreat in fear while he advances his agenda to control and oppress. Yet we have the power of prayer and all the spiritual weapons of warfare. I urge you to make it a point to get in the battle now or we'll suffer even greater casualties than we already have. Jesus came to this earth to free us from the slavery of sin and oppression of the enemy. Isaiah 9-6 makes it clear the government of the world is on His shoulders, our Lord Jesus' shoulders. He is the judge of the nations, the very nations He guards because the nations are His inheritance. Our participation in our government is one way we help protect our Lord's inheritance. We are to be stewards of everything God has given us. We have been given the freedom of living in America. We must protect this nation with every resource available to us. As we consider the fear of God today, let's understand the same God who loves us and frees us from the ravages of sin is the same God who will judge the whole world by judging each individual for how we've responded to his son and how we've demonstrated our faith using the provisions he's given us. As explained in the parable of the talents and the minas, which we read about in Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30, and Luke 19, 11 to 27, we will stand before God with our talents and our minas. Will they be hidden in the ground, or will God find that we've used what he's blessed us with to increase his kingdom? Look at the evil and destruction that's happened this year in Portland, Seattle, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, and New York, and more recently in the otherwise little-known city of Kenosha, Wisconsin. The media and many government so-called leaders are sympathizers and even aiding and abetting this destruction by their failure to enforce law and order. The defunding of police simply gives carte blanche to more destruction. I ask, where are God's people in all of this? Are we cowering in our homes, racked by fear? This kind of fear is not wisdom. This kind of fear that makes righteous men and women retreat is utter deception that has caused them to forget the truth and to succumb to lies, 
not unlike Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. Research reveals Christianity in America has been on a steady decline. This means more and more people are being guided by the ways of the world which the enemy is ruling and not the ways of God. Is it any wonder we see the kind of evil and destruction we do? The fact is, great numbers of people in America have no fear for the Lord because they've become convinced that God doesn't exist. There is no other way to explain the increase of evil and destruction except to acknowledge the lack of fear of God. God is not a Democrat or a Republican. He is clear, however, whoever is not for him is against him. And it was the Democrat Party that recently recited the Pledge of Allegiance, omitting the words, under God, more than once. I, for one, sure don't want to be part of a group that denies the existence of God. And very sadly, those who do deny the existence of God are woefully deceived by the devil and need the truth we've been blessed to find. It's our responsibility to help these people who are woefully deceived to find the truth of God. But beyond non-believers, the enemy of God, who is the father of all lies and the one who has deceived people since the first man Adam and the first woman Eve, has influenced the minds of Christians who in turn have slowly relinquished godly standards and have embraced the ways of the world. With the godly standards diminished, the culture is ripe for the increase of evil. The restraining order of righteousness has been diminished by Christians. Let us not forget 1 Peter 4.17 states judgment begins with the house of the Lord. And where else should it begin? After all, Jesus paid the price, the supreme price, for our freedom and victory. Then he told his followers to go into all nations, teaching what he has instructed, and to baptize the people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. With this instruction, he also made clear that his followers have all of his authority and power, and he would be with us until the end of the age. What excuse does the church, what excuse do Christians have for failing to be salt and light? It seems even Christians are woefully missing when it comes to a proper fear of the Lord. Failure to have fear of the Lord means we instead have fear of man. It means we are deceived by the enemy of God, even as Christians. This year of COVID-19 has been exceedingly revealing. Since early March, we have been oppressed and cowering in fear instead of putting on the full armor of God and using our spiritual weapons of warfare. What's taking place on this earth is what has been permitted by Christians. We ought to fall on our knees in utter repentance, seeking the Lord while he can be found to forgive us and fortify us and show us the way of victory in all things. We have the promise of Second Chronicles 7.14 that if we repent and pray to God, he will hear us and heal our land. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Faith to Live By. I'm your host, Pam Christian, and today's topic is part two of the fear of God. Kevin Zadai was interviewed by Sid Roth on his show, It's Supernatural. Kevin shared about a tremendous five-hour experience he had with God. After his interview, Kevin was asked to lead us in a prayer that we can devote ourselves to every day until this present-day battle is lifted. I've transcribed this prayer and edited it some, and we'll have it posted in the show notes for you to download again this week. In addition to wielding our weapons of warfare, identified in Ephesians 6, 10-18, praise and worship are powerful weapons that drives the enemy back. 
When God's people finally repent and decide they want God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, when righteous men and women get angry enough, they will fight, but not in their own strength. No, it must be in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit, and it must be in unity. Have you had enough of the enemy's destruction yet? Are you ready to call out to God in repentance, agreeing that you've not been properly dependent upon God, and then become fortified and join God in his desire to demonstrate his victorious power for our benefit and his glory? Are you ready to be part of the solution? Again, anyone not actively and intentionally part of the solution is by default part of the problem, and we will all stand before God to be judged. Because of the false narrative being promoted by many in positions of influence, I want us to reconsider the truth about the founding of America. America was established by people seeking freedom from governmental oppression from the British. Even as colonies established on American soil, the British government continued to oppress the people. The early pilgrim settlers desired to dedicate their newfound nation to God in his ways and to establish a government under God. The Revolutionary War was fought with blood spilled and lives lost in this quest for freedom. Freedom is so important that brave men and women have given their lives to the cause for the sake of future generations. With the same spirit of the early Christians who risked their life to further the cause of Christ, which is our ultimate freedom, these early settlers of the first 13 colonies courageously fought. In October 1781, the war virtually came to an end when General Cornwallis was surrounded and forced to surrender the British position at Yorktown, Virginia. Two years later, the Treaty of Paris made it official. America was independent. Notice how the Revolutionary War was a war to secure freedom. The eventual establishment of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights is based on Judeo-Christian principles and values. In April 1861, civil war broke out over the belief that slave ownership is wrong and for the principle of states' rights. The Civil War is yet another war over freedom. Focusing on current events and the Black Lives Matter movement, let's continue with a review of history here. The American Civil War was a war in the United States from 1861 to 1865, fought between the northern states loyal to the Union and southern states that had succeeded from the Union to form the Confederate States of America. War broke out in April 1861 when secessionist forces attacked Fort Sumter in South Carolina just over a month after Abraham Lincoln had become inaugurated as the President of the United States. The Loyalists of the Union in the North, which also included some geographically western and southern states, proclaimed support for the Constitution. They faced secessionists on the Confederate states in the South who advocated for the state's right to uphold slavery. The practice of slavery in the United States was one of the key political issues of the 19th century. Slavery had become a controversial issue during the framing of the Constitution, but the issue was left unsettled. In the 1860 presidential election, Republicans, led by Abraham Lincoln, supported banning slavery in all the U.S. territories. The southern states viewed this as a violation of their constitutional rights and as the first step in a grander Republican plan to eventually abolish slavery 
which indeed it was. The Civil War has been noted as the most deadly of all American wars. For 110 years, the numbers of those who died in the Civil War stood at 618,222. There were 360,222 from the North and 258,000 from the South, by far the greatest toll of any war in American history. However, recent research sets the numbers at 620,000 to 750,000 soldiers who died with unknown numbers of civilians. This is an important point of history that has not been properly taught in our schools. It was the Republican Party, led by Abraham Lincoln, who went to war to free the slaves. And in this war, hundreds of thousands of white men died to free their fellow African-American men. Is there still a problem with racism in America? Yes, there most certainly is. However, again, if Christians were truly being the influence of heaven here on earth, the problem would not be as bad as it is today. The Christian faith teaches we are to acknowledge only one race under God, the human race, with all of us created in his image. So what can we do about this and the rest of the increase of evil in this world? We need to live our lives in proper fear of the Lord. Let me go on record here as the first one to make this statement, which I hope becomes a buzzword in our world today. I am not a racist. The color of a person's skin does not make me biased in any way. What I am, however, is an evilist. If a person is unkind, wicked, lawless, hate-filled, destructive, and the like, I'm not in favor of that person. It's not a matter of painting a group of people with a broad brush, but considering each individual and his or her actions, which reveals their heart. No, I'm not a racist, but I am most definitely an evilist. I understand the reality of our culture and how culture can influence groups of people, but I refuse to conclude on the individuals based on group conduct. This is what makes me an evilist and not a racist. It is not God's desire to discipline us and see us experience the consequences we bring upon ourselves by not following his ways. It is God's desire for us to obey him and flourish and live freely in the victory Christ died to give us. Gratefully, God is a God of great mercy. We need to have the Christian influence greatly enhanced in all the seven mountains of society, government, religion, family, business, arts and entertainment, media, and education. I list government first because this is an election year where Christians are needed more than ever to vote their values. Understand, America was established as a nation to be governed for and by the people. It is by our vote that we elect representatives who will uphold our stated values. We the people are charged with the responsibility of governing our nation. We have the power to determine the future of our nation and that of the world. The power is still ours, and this election is critically pivotal for our nation and the nations of the world. The freedom we have is unparalleled in any other nation, and I boldly state if we do not exercise our governmental authority by responsibly voting, we will lose our authority to powers that want to further oppress and control us and remove our freedoms. To those who claim Christians shouldn't be involved in politics, I say, get behind me, Satan. That claim is nothing but a lie from the pit of hell. It was God who ordained civil government. 
Would he ordain civil government for his people, then tell them not to be involved? No. Would God bless America as a nation established under him to be governed for and by the people, and then tell us to refrain from political or governmental politics? No. To those who say it's too much work to learn the issues and about the candidates to effectively vote, I say, get behind me, Satan. It is our duty and responsibility for ourselves and our future citizens, our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, that we engage and are properly active in the restoration of our nation. Besides, there are countless people who understand the importance of our vote, who have done the research for us to provide published guides for voting. Just be sure you know the guide you use is an accurate and truthful representation of your values. If we will repent, we will see God at work within us, and we will experience revival. But beyond revival, we must experience reformation. If we want a reformation of all that's gone wrong in America, then we must get in the battle and be wholly engaged without compromise. As I've said before, this is a battle of good versus evil that's being played out on earth, demanding our involvement according to God's instruction and commissioning. If we want to continue to enjoy the blood-won freedoms that the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World Wars I and II were fought to secure and protect— then we need to become properly engaged in the battle. It's not a battle of politics, but good versus evil, righteousness versus corruption. Beginning September 2019, I sought the Lord and have believed 2020 is the year of God's justice. For justice to be served, corruption needs to be exposed and dealt with. I personally believe the China virus is a weapon of warfare concocted by evil. The enemy clearly intends to continue his fear-mongering, devastation, and destruction. The enemy wants to control and oppress us through governments. We must pray against the enemy concocting new diseases, weaponized viruses that the enemy wants to spread again. We must not hand over our freedom. We are in a spiritual war against powers and principalities that are at work in our governments and leaders in the various seven mountains of society. If we don't fight for our freedoms with both spiritual warfare and with our governmental influence by way of voting, the enemy will dissect our nation and therefore the world one piece at a time until we lose all of our freedoms. Kevin Zadai, whom I mentioned earlier, prophetically explained we have the ability to see God's miraculous victory if we will get engaged in God's process. He said this election is essential. He expressed that the one sign of our victory will be the reversal of Roe versus Wade, and that within one hour of that decision, the curse that's been over our nation will be lifted. He explained the importance of our restoring unity to the church. Unity of the church is what the enemy fears most because of the power in unity. We must lift up God, build people up in the truth of God, and all that's actually going on in the spiritual we must activate the reality of our being ambassadors for Christ. We must refuse the enemy's efforts and call upon God's angels to cut the root of the evil that's in our country. We must overcome the increase of lawlessness in our country and in so doing influence Christ's victory for the world. This is not an overstatement. What we are facing in these next months will either usher in God's plan for us or the enemy's plan for us 
and it will impact the entire world. Our presidential election is imperative for God's people. We must take up our rightful place in God's plan, confident of His loving guidance and repeated promises to lead us in victory when we partner with Him. Kevin prophesied, What the enemy has planned can be cut short, consistent with God's promises in 2 Chronicles 7.14. In a recent post, well-respected prophet Lana Bowser stated, quote, the nation of America hangs in the balance. Then, speaking to Americans, she said, Your position of repentance and intercession as a united army is what will see the plans of the enemy overturned by the power of God's Spirit in the nation. We must be united in our efforts of spiritual warfare now more than ever, not only for America, but for the whole world. Lana Bowser's entire post is essential for us in these days, so I will also have it as a link in the show notes. We are living in a time that is ushering in the greatest glory of God ever seen on earth if God's people will engage with His will. God's kingdom will prevail and corruption will be removed according to the degree God's people engage with His process for victory. This is not the end. This is the beginning of the end, a time God wants His people to defend Him and proclaim Him in such a way that He swoops in on the scene with His miraculous signs and wonders, bringing a great harvest of souls to His kingdom. No, this is not the end, but it has been a test, a test to cause us to realize the truth about ourselves and what we need to do to be rightly related with Christ and engaged in the promised victory Christ died for us to experience. I've said before, Every test of God today is intended to fortify us and better prepare us for the greater tests that lie ahead. We must get the oil in our lamps and be prepared for the worst the enemy can dish out, while at the same time confidently proclaiming and decreeing and declaring the victory of God regardless of how things appear. Faith does not operate by sight. We must not allow what we see to evoke fear in our hearts. We must instead meditate on the promises, will, and character of God and profess only these truths. Anything of great value is worth fighting for. Pray and work for righteousness to prevail and for evil to be exposed and cut off at the root. Regularly decree God's will and stand your ground, decreeing the enemy will not have his way on your watch in your life, your family, your livelihood, your home, your neighborhood, your community, your state, or your country. Speak to him in the name and the power of Jesus and tell him he has no authority. Only Christ has authority in your life. Demonstrate your faith as a confident, decree-wielding ambassador of Christ. The fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom, and I'll state the culmination of God's victory. Then, beyond prayer, get your marching orders from God and get engaged in our culture now before we suffer any more losses. We need to have Christians actively engaged in each of the seven mountains of society to push back the evil that's been increasing for decades. The seven mountains where we must be engaged are once again government, religion, business, family, media, education, and arts and entertainment. Listen, our apathetic lack of involvement is what's brought us to the point we're in. It's very sad that the work we have before us is so vast. It wouldn't have been that way if we had remained engaged 
with God's plan. What gifts, talents, education, and experience do you have? Where do you best fit in to share your Christian point of view and make a difference in our world? Can you volunteer to read to children at your local library in place of those who read to children to promote their alternative lifestyle and non-biblical points of view? Can you write letters to your local media countering the anti-Christian opinions and commentaries that are the primary influencers of our culture? Can you volunteer to work on a political campaign or help register voters? Perhaps you are financially well-off and you can purchase advertisement to run on media to present the Christian worldview and counter the cancel culture that abounds. Surely, God has given you specific gifts, talents, and resources that you can use to increase God's will on earth as it is in heaven. What am I doing? Well, I'm publishing this podcast and books and articles, and I'm seeking to impact the world through the mountains of media. I'm holding an online prayer for our nation. I'm holding online classes to help people better evangelize and make disciples. I'm spending my time, talent, and money for the kingdom of God. You know, my ministry work began in the early 90s, and I share that I have yet to financially operate in the black because it's not about money, but the kingdom of God and my role in it for the benefit of many and all for God's glory. And I will add here, I'm very grateful for my husband whose finances help to sustain the work that I do. As Christians, God expects us to use our time, talents, and treasure to increase his kingdom. We are to seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all else we need will be added unto us. I welcome you contacting me. I want to know how my programs are impacting you, and I'll certainly answer any questions you may have. If you've listened for any length of time, then you know I'm not about faith fluff or content that tickles your ears. Neither am I about condemnation or doom and gloom. Our God is all about redemption and restoration. He does not want anyone to perish, but all to come to eternal life through faith in his son, Jesus. Those who do not intentionally choose Jesus will, by default, be aligned with Satan. This truth is not something to take lightly or ignore, because the impact of our decision is eternal. If you've not yet surrendered yourself to Jesus as your personal redeemer from sin and hell, why not do so now? It's as simple as praying aloud words similar to these. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God who came to pay the penalty of sin that I owe. I willingly place my faith in you as my Savior to keep me from eternity in hell. And I willingly surrender to you as Lord of my life to lead me into all that is good and righteous, including my eternity in heaven with you. Amen. These simple words are all you need to say from your heart, and when you pray these words, you will become a child of God. You will be forgiven of your sin, you will be restored as a new creature in Christ, and you will have all the access to all the promises that Christ died to give us. If you just gave yourself to Jesus for the first time, or if you intentionally renewed your faith in Jesus, I want to hear from you. I want to give you some encouragement and direction so you can move forward in your new life and know how to avoid the enemy. I'll share my contact details in just a minute. But looking ahead to next week, I want us to consider the importance of our words and how we must properly decree and declare to see God's will done on earth as it is in heaven 
The power of life and death are in the tongue. Let us learn to speak life beginning next week. I hope you'll join me. I want to thank my sponsors, Virtual Shield, that provides you with internet privacy, so important these days with all the hacking and invasion that's going on. And Movi, it's an app that helps parents protect their children from predators and other internet invasions. And I ask you to learn more about these companies and consider availing of their services. I also want to thank Leanne Mancini for her beautiful children's book series called The Adventures of Sea Kids. When you purchase any services or products through my links, you get the benefits of the good and services offered, and you support me and my ministry work at the same time. I'm not a 501c3 organization, so donations are not tax-deductible. Instead, I try to bring you goods and services that you can enjoy that will help me as well. So I thank you. If my ministry, if this podcast is blessing you in any way, for you to please consider however you might be able to provide support. This program, Faith to Live By, is a division of Pamela Christian Ministries, LLC, a ministry that offers many different goods and services. There's my multi-award-winning Faith to Live By book series, our travel division, my speaking and teaching ministry, my award-winning blog, and a few other things as well. I invite you to visit my main website at PamelaChristianMinistries.com. And by the way, I list all of my sponsors, show notes, and bonus items on Charisma Podcast Network and on my website page, faithtoliveby.com. On that landing page, there's a link and more information about my sponsors and partners. If my show notes and bonus items are not listed where you listen to podcasts, please be sure to visit my webpage, faithtoliveby.com. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread the gospel, and it helps more people learn how to best apply their Christian faith. Be sure to follow me on Facebook at Faith to Live by TV, on Twitter at PL Christian, and on LinkedIn at Pamela Christian. If you'd like to be one of my insiders, please subscribe to my complimentary bi-monthly e-newsletter. I offer you a choice of a free gift in appreciation for your subscription. And lastly, visit my webpage for this show at faithtoliveby.com to enjoy all of the podcasts and broadcasts we've produced so far. I hope you'll join me next week and tell your friends and family to listen right here on Faith to Live By, where we learn how to gain spiritual victory over life's issues. Until next week, I'm Pam Christian, asking you to remember, Christ died for us. The least we can do is live for Him.